Welcome to the Yield Podcast. I am Brooke Payne, your host. Together, we are going to create passive income, organically grow your side hustle, meanwhile, being completely submitted to God's leadership throughout the process, because that is how we exponentially grow. Josh McDonald, I'm so excited to have you here. This is like a dream come true. You're one of the most inspiring individuals I know personally, and uh, I won't I won't try to set you up. I just want you to kind of introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you're about, and uh, yeah, we'll roll from there. Wow. Well, thanks for the encouraging words. Um, love you guys so much, and I'm honored to be a part of this, that what God is doing through you and inspiring people. Um, yeah, I'll give you just the 30 second introduction for those that will be listening. Um, who don't know who I am. My name is Josh McDonald. I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and I'm a part of a ministry in Kansas City called the International House of Prayer. And some of you may have heard of it, good, bad, all of the above. <laughs> who knows what you've heard about us? But we are a unique community that um, worships. So most churches have a you know, three, four songs, and they call that worship, and it, it is. But we actually have this mandate here in Kansas City to worship God around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So people have moved here from all over the world. We've actually had 20,000 people on staff over the last over the last 20 years. And um, we're actually celebrating our 20 years, September 20th, uh, something like that, September 19th or 20th. But So we've been a part of this thing for 10 and a half years now. Um, we have a Bible school that my wife and I help train, teach, and equip young millennials on um, how to be successful in the things of God and really set them up for um, giving giving a season of their 20s to the Lord to be able to then to kind of come into their mid-20s and do the things that they feel called to do with courage, with strength, and with good foundations and roots. And so uh, we also help give leadership to a ministry called the Luke 18 Project, which is taking the values of prayer and worship and actually um, getting college students to do it on their campus. And so, um, we're on several campuses around the nation, but we got our local presence here as well in Kansas city. And my wife's a singer and we just got all kinds of stuff we're doing, um, in this season. My wife's also an interior designer and it's just been a fun ride. And so we've been giving our whole life to this now for 10 and a half years. And we're just excited about what the Lord is doing. Um, since IHOP started, we call, we call international house of prayer here in Kansas city, IHOP for short. And, uh, since IHOP has started, there were less than 200 house of prayers in 1999. There's now over 25,000 house of prayers. And so, and it's, and it's not only because of IHOP, but in general, the Lord is doing something really cool with music and with singing. And it's just really exciting. And so we're honored to be a part of it. And, um, yeah, we're just excited. I love that. And so. I met Josh through uh, Josh and Landry through uh, a house of prayer in New York City where Cam and I were on staff. And so that's kind of how we came. And then you guys lived right down the street. Um, are you right. still doing are you still doing CrossFit at the uh, at the trying. home gym? OK, trying. <laughs> yes. not trying to put you on the spot. Yes, I know. I am. I am. I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing I'm struggling a little bit, but we're uh, <laughs> We all are, man. We all are. Yeah, well, no, but I am. I'm still staying faithful to fitness to the best I that I can. It. That's awesome. Yeah, and so <laughs> so so you were talking about um I thought 
I guess this is, I'm trying to break this down for myself. So yeah, you guys are doing your own Bible study, you and Landry, but then you're also doing Luke 18. So your Bible study, are you doing that at the house or, or how are you? Yeah. You're talking about for our IHOPU students? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So we were, we were, so things have changed. Long story short, things have changed in the way that IHOPU runs as far as what the way that, the way that our university used to run all up until this last couple of months, we have, so we have, we have a Bible school of several hundred students and the students are broken up into chunks and sections where they have kind of a leader and a pastor over them that does life with them and mentors them and brings them into their homes and whatever on the in-betweens between classes. And so Landry and I have helped give leadership to that um, with our university. But yes, so it's kind of all one thing. You know, like IHOP is this big missions base where there's like so many different things happening. I mean, there's like over 40 different ministries that are all doing their thing, but under the banner of IHOP. And they're all kind of, we're all doing the same thing, but it's just in different parts. So like, like, for instance, we have a ministry called Hope City, which is literally a 24-hour prayer room in the worst neighborhood in all of Kansas City. That is a it, – it's a program to bring in the homeless, to feed them, to get them on their feet, to – you know, it's a full year basically rehab with the House of Prayer Dynamics. So they actually pray for the city and for that neighborhood 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's actually ran by Mike Bickle's sister. Um, and then, you know, we have a college campus ministry and, and that's kind of what I help lead as well. And so we kind of have our hands in like four things right now. Um, but it's exciting. So, I, so basically, basically the way I have works is, is it's a mission space. So everybody that's here raises their own money, like full blown, you know, it's like owning a business, you know, you are mm-hmm. fully responsible for generating your own income. And then inside of that, there's just all these different things happening. We have internships, we have whatever. There's just so many different things. And so Landry and I have our hands in three or four things at a time. And I also travel once or twice a month as well, speaking at churches and conferences and whatever. And so, um, but yes, so Luke 18 is something separate, but also not something separate. It's kind of like, it's like like both hand, you know, but where it's, it's IHOP's expression of touching college campuses. Makes sense. Cause that was yes. what I was going to dive into. I, cause you said the two things that like click with what we're doing is, um, yes. you said millennials and you said success. And so, yes, obviously I'm a firm believer in, you know, God is the center of all success. Um, whether or not the people listening, believe that or not, that's fine. Um, but yeah. that's my, you know, my firm belief is everything is created through God and therefore I can't really create anything without him. So right. how do you help a millennial? I feel like when I was in my, I, I'm a millennial currently. Me too. But, but you know, the younger end of the, of the spectrum there, how do you help them define success when they have no idea what their calling is? I mean, how do you help people break that down and what does that look like? Yeah. Amazing question. And it's something that is super dear to my heart. Um, I'll just start. But I'll start out by saying this, and, and I'm, not, I'm not even going to try to clarify myself. Like for those listening, like I think that entrepreneurship is super important. I think that you need to take your life serious. I think you need to, you know, figure out what it is that you're called to do on the earth. I just want to clarify. I believe all those things because what I'm going to say right now is gonna, if, if you don't know fully me, you might think I'm like coming against those things. And that's not my goal. But I'm also don't have time in our little window here to clarify <laughs> what I'm saying. 
So I will say, this is not a diss to entrepreneurs. This is not a diss to people that are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're passionate about it and they're grinding and you should. But I want to talk about the kingdom perspective and what I mean by kingdom perspective for those that might be a new word or you don't have the same religious preferences as us or whatever, whatever the, um, whatever your story is. What I mean by that is as somebody who I believe in Christianity, I believe in God, I believe in the message of Jesus. So therefore my life is rooted in what would be, you know, the Bible. It'd be rooted in a different paradigm than necessarily kind of the normal American uh, paradigm would be. And in, as a believer and as a Christian, as someone who, who believes in Jesus and his message, realistically, the message is a little bit backwards to the way of kind of the normal cultural, like this is what you do. And I think that be, when, when you're, when you're, so, so I'm just going to really speak to millennials right now. And obviously my bend is going to be very from a Christian perspective. So if you're a Christian, you're listening, like you'll, you'll, you'll understand too, but it's one of those things where, you know, Jesus's message, not just Jesus, but all from, from Jesus to Paul to whatever, there's a message that's being delivered that is a value system that is so backwards to what it was that they thought was successful in that time. And it was constantly examining the inward life. It was constantly examining – It was really, it was examining two realities. The, the, the constant message was about two things, internal, and it was about the next age. Well, now, what does that mean, the next age? The next age means after this age. <laughs> what that means is, is mo most humans are not going to live past 90 years old. Most people in the world, you're not going to live past 90. Some of you will, and you know, you can be on the Today Show and be the smuckers. <laughs> you know, they always have that. that was yes, like the I know old, exactly. Like, the ladies yeah. like 106, you know, yes, the smuckers. Can't even sit up straight. The smuckers jelly of lady, whatever. No, but <laughs> if you think about it, we we all live, let's say, to be 90 years old. Now, most of us. I would say 100% of us are not actually going to really start walking in any type of real destiny that actually has rootedness until you're about 40. Mm -hmm. And so, cause, cause life, life has to form you, you know, most of people don't really discover much about their passions until they're about 25. And then they really aren't formed into a true father or motherly uh, role in those dynamics until they're about 40. You might have success, you might have increase. You might have a big following. You might make a lot of money in your young 20s, but you don't have the same maturity as the guy who's 40 or 45 so or 50 or whatever your story might be. I mean, some of our greatest heroes didn't really get launched into their public arena until they were in their mid-40s. You know, a guy that us in the Christian world love is a guy named Lou Engle. We love Lou Engle. The guy's packing out stadiums. I mean, the guy can gather 100,000 people in a stadium. I mean, it's, it's insane. But what people don't realize is, is he actually didn't do his first gathering until he was 45. And he was actually in his mid-30s mowing lawns and sweeping dust in apartment basements, you know, asking for God to release him. And his pastor was like, dude, you are too immature to be released into ministry. And that was when he was like older than me. I'm, I'm only Dang. 30. Yeah. And so Lou, Lou doesn't even start his first gathering until, you know, he's 45 years old. And so, so my point is, is we have to realize that like, okay, if you're going to live to be 90, you're not really going to be sharp in your nineties. So realistically, you've got a 30 year window on the earth to fulfill whatever it is you're called to fulfill. And if that's true, then there's gotta be something bigger. 
like my whole existence of life is about this 30 year window. And I think it's bigger than just like being a loving person, you know, do your job well, make money, you know, be successful, (laughs) leave an inheritance for your kids. Amen. I die. You know, like it's, it's, (laughs) no, no, really. And I'm not, not, those are all like super important values that you should take extremely serious. But if that's really it, then like, wow, really, this is it. Like I was born for that. Like, like, really, that's it? Like, I was born to, like, go to go to high school, then go to college, then then try to be out of debt by 40 so that I can, you know, like, make a bunch of money, hopefully, which most people don't. <laughs> you know? True. Like, no, I mean, most people find that $50,000 a year salary job, and they're in. And, that, and I'm not dissing that, but that, that that's the normal thing, you know? And then you do your 401k, and you hope to have enough to retire on and leave a little something for your kids. But it's like, that's all super important. But, like... What's the bigger goal? Because what if you don't make millions of dollars? And what if you do make the millions of dollars? You're still going to go like, what am I really, what is this whole thing really about? And this is what Jesus and Paul and whoever were so adamant to talk about. In Matthew 6, Jesus makes this you know, crazy statement and he says, do not lay up treasures on the earth where rust and dust and stuff's going to decay. Store up treasures in heaven. Like, what does that mean? No, that's a bizarre scripture. And so we all know to go, oh, well, that means don't love money and don't love Mercedes Benzes and which, hey, if you have a Mercedes, awesome. I want one, you know, like, (laughs) no, it's just, yeah, the message is not so much. You can't have those things. The message is like, Jesus is saying, dude, don't get caught up in like living this crazy where everything you're banking on is here and now put treasures in heaven. But, but, but the bigger, the bigger question is, is like, we can go, Oh, that's a good message. You know, live humble, give to the poor, you know, be, be modest with your life. You don't need a mansion. You know, we all can kind of like decently agree like on that reality. Hey, if you want a mansion, more power to you. But I think we all know, even if you are a billionaire, you could do greater things with your money than, you know, that whatever. Some people have different value systems. Some people love cars, but have crappy shoes. And some people have amazing shoes, but have crappy cars. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to nitpick at all those things, but the bigger question is what the heck is Jesus talking about? What do you mean treasures in heaven? What that, and, and what, what Jesus is saying is there's actually a reward system on when you die, that when you actually go to heaven, that there's actually different rewards and there's different measures of reward given to different people. I now I know that when we get there, our, 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 our lives will be redeemed and we'll have a clean heart. And so I know there's not going to be comparison in heaven and there's not going to be jealousy in heaven, but there's actually going to be people that are shine brighter. This is biblical. I don't have time to teach all the scriptures, but there's actually people that are going to shine brighter than others in heaven. There's actually people that are going to have bigger mansions than others in heaven. And there's going to be people that are actually going to have more responsibility and rulership over things in heaven than others based upon the way that they lived on the earth. And, you know, in, in Revelation chapter three and four, well, sorry, Revelation chapter two and three, Jesus writes these letters to seven churches and every single one of them, except for, except for one gets, gets, gets praised for great things that on the earth, but then they get rebuked drastically for things they didn't do on the earth. And Jesus gives them all these promises. But the problem is, is what we don't realize is 99% of the promises are actually not promises to be inherited here. They're promises that will be inherited in the next age. And so our problem is, is we live our life based upon the now. And so I'm just going to kind of keep, keep like lasering in on the Christian viewpoint. Most believers don't think this way. 
And most believers also don't realize that the Bible is very and is very Israel centric. And so what happens is, is we insert America into all these scriptures. And what we really do is we 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 take a scripture like in Isaiah that's about like the wealth of the nations like being stored up for Zion, and we declare that over Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> no, 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 and and and, 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 and and I get it, and I and I don't want to be that guy that like goes to every church and like nitpicks what the pastor's saying. I don't want to be that guy, but like no, this that actually isn't about Nashville. Like sure, like let's pray for Nashville to be blessed, but like that scripture is about Israel. That scripture is actually not about us. It's not about America. And so what happens is, is we we have this American viewpoint of life, and then we get Jesus mixed in the middle, and so we kind of just like insert America like into the gospel. And then the problem is, is we set ourselves up for failure because not everybody is promised to have this incredible life here on the earth. And, th- and that's the problem is it's like our whole our whole system is about me being happy and about me being blessed and about me fulfilling my destiny. But the problem is, is like Jesus is looking for his inheritance. And so we get super caught up in our inheritance. And then but yet we were unconcerned about Jesus's inheritance and like. This was actually the big deal in 1 Corinthians 15 with Paul. So I don't know if the listeners will know what this is. You can Google this later. But in in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the church of Corinth was actually dealing with a real problem, and it was called Gnosticism. And so the way – and so Gnosticism is a big thing, but in a super practical sense. People that that believe Gnosticism or Gnosticism – believe that our bodies are super evil, super corrupt, and, and dirty and lame, and the only thing that matters is what is spiritual, okay? But the problem with, with Gnosticism is, is th- there's two different kinds of things that would happen. People would either be like into self-mutilation, or the other end of the spectrum, they would say, it doesn't matter what I do, I can live however I want because my body's evil and I'll be whatever, whatever. And Paul writes an entire chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 telling them that there's actually going to be a resurrection of our body. What is he talking about? He's talking about that we're actually going to die and that there's actually another whole age to come. It's called a thousand-year reign. It's actually a, There's actually a period of time later in life where we're actually all going to live in Jerusalem for a thousand-year a thousand reign with these new per- purified perfect bodies. And then, trip. I don't know what that means. Like are we going to fly? Are we going to whatever? I don't know. But Paul, it was like central to his belief system because Paul was suffering really badly. Like he was being beaten. So, so you, you know, you know the scripture where it says, "I die daily." Well, that comes from First Corinthians fifteen, mm-hmm. and Paul was being literal. Like he's literally being beaten. Like he's physically really struggling. And the church at that time didn't believe that there's a such thing as a resurrection of your body. And Paul is like pleading with them. And, he, and so I'm getting somewhere with this. I promise. Paul's pleading with him because he's like, you guys don't understand. My life sucks. <laughs> no, he's literally saying that. He's like, my life is hard. You don't know what it's like to do what I've done for you guys. Like, I mean, I've been beaten in prison. I've been misunderstood. I have lived one of the worst lives like on the earth because of what I stand for. And if there's no hope for a resurrection, then forget it. I'm done. And so Paul had to look like, Paul had to look at the next stage because he, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you want to talk about measuring success. The guy, the guy was entrusted with the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, the guys, the guy was entrusted with the gospel 
to be able to literally write the entire New Testament, church planner galore. You know, the guy lived a pretty impactful life, but personally, he really dealt with real affliction, real, real pain, real problems, real sickness. And Paul had to have the understanding that there's another age and that my little measly glimpse on, the, on earth is really not what I'm after. I'm after the next stage. And Paul, so that's what the whole First Corinthians 15 is about, is Paul dealing with that reality. And I just want to look at one more thing as we're in the vein of Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in second, or sorry, first Corinthians chapter three, verse 11, it says, for no one can lay a foundation other than what that, which is laid. And he goes on, he goes on, he says, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifested for the day will disclose itself because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work has been done. And then it goes on later on in verse 15 to say, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. That's intense, you know? <laughs> and so and so what, what Paul's saying is, is like, dude, what are you building your foundations on? Because there's actually a day. So here's the thing. Every person that dies, whether you believe what I believe or not, there's a day coming where when we die, we're actually going to stand at a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to review how we lived our life on the earth. And so what Paul is saying here is he's like, it's actually going to be like, like it's going to be lit on fire. And the things that were built with straw, hay and wood, which is not good. They're just going to burn up and it's going to bear zero weight in the next age. But those who built their life on gold, silver, precious stones. Now, what he's not necessarily talking about there is how much ounces of gold you bought on atmax.com. He's talking about deep, deep life choices that actually were could could make it through fire, you know. And um, Paul also talked about in Second Corinthians five. We don't need to turn there, but uh, Paul also talked about Second Corinthians, Corinthians five. This very subject, he talks about this judgment seat of Christ, and he talks about how there will be rewards given on that day. Now, if you if you do your study on that, the Greek word for judgment actually is a word called bema, mm. and the bema seat was that is actually a seat in the Olympics where they hand out the rewards at the end of the ceremony, and so they it actually was called the judgment seat, but it was the judgment seat for the Olympic awards, right? And so this is the word that's being used all throughout the Bible language that there's a day coming. Or we're going to stand before the Lord, and He's going to hand out rewards to those who lived on the earth. So, 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 so I guess the big question would be then: So, Josh, well, what do I do then? Like, what <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? It's about it's it's about the deep places of your heart. It's about it's about storing up treasures in your heart. It's about pursuing the Lord with intimacy. Uh, my pastor here in Kansas City, uh, Mike Bickle, always says this statement. I'm loved by, or I, I, I'm a lover of God and I'm loved by God. Therefore I'm successful. Love it. You know? And so success literally has zero to do honestly with your achievements on the earth. But now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't pursue your, the things you're called to do. You should take the things you're called to do very serious. If you're called to start a business, take it serious. If you're, if you know that your passion for your life, whatever it is, you're called to be a fitness instructor. You're called to do what I do. What it, it doesn't matter. Yes, you need to take it serious. But the problem is, is people get caught in the grind of their assignment, 
and their life and their lives dwindle away. This is why you see so many successful people, you know, they're like, okay, I mean, go, go find me the top 100, you know, richest men in America. And I want to see what their families look like. Like, I really don't care about their net worth. I don't really care about their, their houses and their cars and their, you know, I, that stuff's cool. And it's like, yeah, I, I want to have some nice stuff too. But like the bigger question that God is asking and that we should be asking is, well, let me, let me see your wife and your kids. And I'm not saying that every million, every rich person's family is that way. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But like, I think that statistically, if you look at the lifestyle that you have to live to attain those kind of things, it comes at the cost of something. Yeah. And, and, and your wife, if you're married out there, your wife needs your time. If you're, if, if you're a dad out there or you're, or maybe you're opposite of the spectrum, you're a wife and you're crushing it. You know, your husband needs your time, your children, they need your time. And most of all, if you are somebody who believes in what we believe in, uh, as far as Christian values, your intimacy with Jesus is everything, you know? And in Matt, I believe it's Matthew 25, Jesus gives this you know, intense teaching on there. When I come, it's going to be likened to virgins. There's 10. And, and what he doesn't mean is those that haven't had sex. He's not, he's not talking <laughs> about sex. He's taught, he, 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 cause, cause in the Bible, virgins typically represent, um, believers and they represent purity, right. But not, not necessarily sexually, but he gives this teaching on it, that, that the, there's going to be 10 virgins that are wise. There's gonna be 10 virgins that are foolish and these virgins, they are, they have lamps, old school lamps that require oil back to produce light, right? To be able to go out. And so Jesus is saying, you know, that when I come, it's going to be like in the middle of the night. And those who were wise stored up oil so that when I came, they could trim their wig and they would have light to go see me. And so th- we, we talk about oil all the time in, in the church. And the problem is, is when you're on the grind and you're doing all this stuff and you're, you know, just giving your whole life to pursuing, you know, your whole everything to this, these, these things that don't fully matter. One, your family's going to suffer. Two, your kids are going to suffer. And three, how on earth are you going to find time to get oil with the Lord? And, and I, and I hear the conversation so often, and it's actually become a normal conversation in the church and that we think it's okay is it's like, yeah, you know, I've just been so busy. Life's been so crazy. You know, I really, I really need to get back to like, you know, my quiet time with the Lord. And, and, and that's a good heart posture to have. But the fact that you're even there is like, yo, dude, okay. You're, you're admitting that you're here. You're admitting that you're having a hard time connecting with the Lord. You're admitting it. But like, dude, this is like not a like option. Like, like <laughs> you've got to slow. Yeah. Like you've got to slow down and find oil. You know, and so all through scripture, my point being is, is our real success and our real destiny and our real future and our real inheritance and our real calling actually is that we're worshipers and, and, and that we're actually looking to the next stage. And that's a, that's a mystery of a concept for a lot of people. Um, if you don't believe the same way we do in religious preference, then obviously you're going to be like, I don't think I believe. They're probably not still on the podcast at this no, point. No, <laughs> I, I don't believe anything you're talking about. But even, but even, but even for Christians, like <clears throat> we don't really, we don't really look at this stuff. Like we kind of have this idea of like heaven's going to be this crazy awesome place, and I'm just going to worship God all day, and that's true. But like the scriptures are super clear that like 
actually everything is about that next stage, you know, and most of the rewards and most of the things that you are going after really actually won't be fulfilled until the next stage. And, and I'm serious. I mean, and, and that's not like, that is like the most unpopular uh, uh, message <laughs> in the American church. No, I'm serious. I mean, in the American, I, I'm, I'm talking about like my friends, like my charismatic friends that we believe the stuff, like we want to go see transformation and impact and that's good. But like, we kind of live this like whole lens of like, everything is about the here and now and the kingdom's here and it, it is and it isn't. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm just going to say this right now, and this is going to flip some people out, but <laughs> the gospel of the kingdom, you've heard that language in the charismatic church, you know, it has nothing to do with signs and wonders and miracles. We, we, we have this whole thing like, well, we got to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I've actually heard charismatic preachers preach the difference between the, the, uh, what is it like I've heard these messages, like the difference between the gospel and then the gospel of the kingdom and what they think that means, the signs, wonders and miracles actually contextually, the gospel of the kingdom is actually about his return. And it's because, because Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be declared. Well, contextually, what was Jesus talking about? He wasn't talking about signs and wonders. He's actually talking about his return. So the gospel of the kingdom actually doesn't have anything to do with signs and wonders and people getting rocked and healed in city transformation. That's actually not what the gospel of the kingdom is. The gospel of the kingdom is actually a Jewish man who's going to come back, rule the earth, judge unrighteousness. The saints are going to be gathered with him in the air, and then we're going to live with them in a place called the New Jerusalem. That's actually the gospel of the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, like, not it, as popular. It, it, no, it has nothing to do with like supernatural right. debt cancellations. And like it has nothing to do with like any of those things. Like, right. No, those things are cool. Like we, we, we go after that stuff. But at the end of the day, my point is, is it's because because you can hear my message and go, well, people that believe that stuff, they just hunker down and don't do anything. And because it's all going to go to crap anyways. And they kind of have this like mindset. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is do your assignment well, but remember what this whole thing is really about. And I just want to talk about my pastor one more time. And, I, and I'll end here. Mike Bickle. Uh, yesterday morning at our Sunday morning service. So we're celebrating our 20 year anniversary this weekend. Oh, it's yeah, super, ex it's super exciting. Yeah. There's so much app. We have like all these big events. There's going to be like a huge, like block party. Like it's, it's pretty intense. It's really cool. 20 years of night and day prayer, you know, and, and, and Mike was sharing all these financial testimonies yesterday. Um, you know, and just crazy stories, you know, millions of dollars and, you know, they needed $3.3 million by midnight and someone, you know, shows up from Texas because they had a dream and wrote them. You know, he's just sharing all these stories. <laughs> he's sharing it. all these stories. But Mike Bickle, um, back in the 80s, the Lord promised him he'd give him a billion dollars. And but he said that you have to think of. So the Lord gave Mike this strict thing and he said, don't ever think of money. Uh, but basically what the Lord said was, don't ever think of money outside of my perspective. And so the Lord said to Mike, when I, when I see a billion dollars, I see a billion souls. When I see a million. And so Mike was talking to us yesterday at church saying, like most believers, 99.9% .9 of Christians in America, when you think of um, if someone were to give me a million dollars right now, what you think of is paying off your debt, buying two nice cars and buying a house cash. You know, or or invest it or whatever. And Mike's like, no, no, no. Think about souls. Not that you can't, you know, invest some of it. Sure, not sure. that you can't buy a house. Right. But Mike was like, no, think about souls. And so when Mike got his first million dollar check, the Lord said, give it away. I love and so that. they did. 
they they bought it. They bought a, they bought uh, two million something like crazy. They bought two million Bibles for Russia, and wow. and they they sent two million Bibles. Russia was under crazy persecution at the time. All this crazy stuff was happening, and actually, just two years ago, so the gospel is exploding through Russia right now. And just a couple of years ago, like a hundred of the biggest Russian believers in, a, in in Russia, these big apostolic bishops and Catholics and whatever, they came to one thing. And they're telling a story about how in the 80s, miraculously, two million Bibles showed up in Russia. Whoa, and that had yeah. anything to do with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And, and so when we think of money, when we think of blessing, when we think of things, we always want to remember that none of this is ours. This is all the Lord's and that we this this moment on earth is very important but it's only it's only 80 to 100 years of eternity you're going to we're going to live together in a place called the new jerusalem an actual physical city forever forever <laughs> and we're actually going to have a job there we're going to have we're going to have real assignments there we're going to have like stuff to do there like it's not just like floating on clouds playing harps and worshiping god and 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 you know, on this throne in Revelation four, right? It's like, it, it, it's that, but it's like, we're actually going to have functioning assignments. And so if we're like cashing out now, like, mm-hmm. and, and you're grinding 80 hours a week and, you know, you go to church on Sunday when you can, and you know, it, you try to read Sarah Young's daily devotional real quick when you wake <laughs> up in the morning, no, which I love Sarah Young, not, it was a joke, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like, no, if, if that's your existence and your life in the Lord, but realistically you, you're, you're, you're quote unquote, a Christian business person, but the only difference is, is you love God. Like, you, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you make millions of dollars and you love God and you don't, you don't cheat on your wife and you don't do drugs, you know? And like, and, and, and so therefore you're a kingdom business guy that that's not, that's not, that's not what a kingdom business guy is, you know, like, right. like a kingdom. If, if, if every Christian business person in the world thought this way, we'd have no poverty. No right. mission, no missionary would be unfunded. Not right. one missionary would struggle financially and poverty would be ended. Hunger would be ended. Right. Cause, cause we'd be all doing it. All, if all of the multimillionaire Christians out there lived on half a million and gave the rest away, which I mean, you can live a pretty extraordinary life on half a million dollars a year, yeah. you know, like that now you get what I'm saying. I'm not saying I every millionaire. Yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying uh, again. I don't have time to build fences. I'm not saying every multimillionaire out there. If you're not giving all your money away and living on 10% of your income, then you're insane. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is, is like we've got to get a different perspective. That we have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ahead of us. And like, yes, leave an inheritance for your kids. The Bible says you should. Yes. Like strive to live successful on the earth, strive to have your needs met. Cause if you're not blessed, you can't be a blessing to others. Right. So, so those dynamics are true and they're real, but we're looking for the next stage. We're looking at Matthew six, do not lay up treasures on the earth. We're looking at that judgment seat of Christ in second Corinthians five, where the rewards are being handed out. We're, we're looking at a whole other perspective. And so that's what success is. It's, it's positioning yourself to say, I want my life to be as vibrant as it can possibly be in the Lord. And if a million dollar check is going to cost me my vibrancy, then forget it. Right. You know, and that's a, that's actually a dynamic my wife and I are in right now. There's a transition ahead of us and possibly that we have a choice to make if we want to do it or not. And we got to a realization recently realizing that, a major portion of our heart's desire to move was about career and money. 
and 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 and, and thinking and having to pull back for a second and going we're thinking about picking up our kids moving them halfway across america I'm not saying we're not doing it but like these are the questions we're having to ask like like we know what it's like to move across America. We did it. We lived in New York City. We know what it's like to have to go make new friends and the loneliness you feel and just the the insecurity that it brings and the the setup for the enemy to just pounce on you and, and your kids. <laughs> yeah. No, and your kids and your kids having to uproot and leave their friends and and just just all of the drama and all the dynamics and and going, man, like is the risk of those things getting jeopardized because there's career opportunity ahead of us. It's like, is that really worth it? Like is, is a career opportunity. If that's going to cause, if that's, if that's going to hinder a possible vibrancy in my life, if that's going to hinder, you know, my kids, you know, whatever, whatever you get what I'm saying. And so these are the ways that we have to weigh our balance in life because I have so many friends that used to burn. And what I mean by burn Mm -hmm. is they used to really, be passionate about the Lord, not just by energy and jumping in services. Like charismatic services don't mean anything. Like <laughs> I, I know some real, I know some real passionate jumpers during a worship service, but I also know their personal life Monday through Friday, and I don't see much fruit, you know. And so that is what this whole thing is about. Is it's I, I have a lot of friends that used to really be this way. They used to have some sincere life in the Lord, but their businesses blew up. Things got really good for them. Um, and now they're in the, in the wheel of the grind of the Gary V life. And, and I love Gary V's. I think Gary V is one of the greatest voices to our generation. I just wish he was saved. You know, I love Gary V. I love yeah, Gary V, but great. like, but here's the problem though. Here's the problem is I have a lot of believers implementing the Grant Cardone, Gary V mindset into Christianity. And so they're out there hustling yep. and grinding and I see them on Instagram and they're like, it's like Sunday afternoon and they're like flipping houses all day. I'm like, dude, like right. I, I know for a fact by your Instagram account, there's no way you have time to be with Jesus. Right. You know, and that, no, I want to, you know, I want to tee you up for this because I was waiting I'm hey, for, I'm sorry, I'm done. I went, I went 35 minutes on that. No, 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 no. You're totally you know? fine. I want to, yes. I want a quick, a quick question, um, yeah. on I was waiting for the social media portion to come up because, I mean, we're millennials. That's where we are. Um, It's it's all over the place. And how do you that successful like, you know, we're looking at the internal mindset. We're looking at, you know, treasures in heaven. But social media tells us if we don't have super cool pictures and we don't blah, 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 travel and do all this stuff. then we're not, you know, if we don't have a million followers then who are we? So what's your thoughts on that? Just quick before, I don't know what you have to go do, but, um, no, 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 I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I get it. It's super hard. And I, I think that, I think again, we're looking internal. Um, I think you can be a sort of social media influencer and be incredible and have an crazy life in God. But at the same time, I think you nailed it. It's the comparison of like what we define as success, you know, and it's like the model that we follow, like goes to the bathroom every morning, just like we do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, like after she posts that Instagram post of herself looking all beautiful and modeling somewhere or whatever they do, you know, there's all kinds of different, (laughs) whatever they do, like that same person gets off the post and has the flooding thoughts, has the flooding voice of the accuser 
who, you know, who in Revelation, it says that there's a voice of the accuser who is Satan, who stands before God day and night, accusing the saints. Now we know later on in Revelation, there will be a day where he won't be talking anymore, but yeah. he's fully present right now. And he's talking to you. He's talking to me and he's sowing thoughts. So that same person that looks successful is also the same one that has the same issues. You know, I, I I'm not going to name names. You wouldn't know who they are anyways, but it's like, we know someone right now, you know, in our life who does really well on social media. She's very beautiful. She's, she was part of this community years ago, whatever. And it's like from the outside, everything, she's crushing it. But like the same person that is super beautiful and, and you'd want to look up to, she's got a successful business. She's also telling us that her husband's in shambles and they're getting a divorce, you know? Wow. And, and, and I'm not saying that's her fault, but my point is, is like, you really don't know like what's going on behind the scenes. And it's, and, and, and that's not like the, the only factor, but yeah, we, we cannot weigh ourselves by the success of others. Anybody can look cool on Instagram. Anybody can buy a hundred dollar lens for their iPhone that they screw onto their case and make their pictures look cooler than they are. You know, <laughs> any, anybody, no, you know, it's like, no, you're so right. Yeah. 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 I mean, dude, I, I, you know, whatever. And, it's really tough. It's, it's, it's a really, everything that we just talked about for the last 40 minutes is so un-American and it's so backwards of the culture. And, and that's why I think it's so supernatural to be able to find young people that are thinking this way, because with Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, whatever, TikTok, all the different things that are, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, no, I mean, seriously. And, and, you know, it is just we live in a world. You know, I was with so there, there, there's there's a there's a great uh, apologetics guy out in Atlanta named Robbie Zacharias. Yes, love and, uh, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. So love I was him. with one of Robbie's. Well, I was with one of Robbie's guys. I, I I got the chance to spend time with Robbie's crew twice this year, and I was with one of his guys recently. Uh, well, I guess it was April. It wasn't super recent, but four or five months ago, I was with one of his guys in Austin. We're at a coffee shop in Austin, Texas, and we just met for coffee. It's a guy I knew from years ago who now is doing stuff with Ravi, and he made a staggering statement. We were talking about, um, we were talking about just a, a vibrant life in the Lord and how every the world is just you know the distractions of the world and social media, whatever. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a number that's super rounded down because I can't remember what he actually said, but it was staggering. But I'm gonna round a number down that's like nowhere near what the number really was. But the number that I'm gonna round down to is big enough to scare you. <laughs> he said that there are over 500. It was something like 2,000. It was crazy. He said he said the average person sees 500 plus advertisements a day with their eyes. Mm-hmm. That's that's why you're driving on the highway. You see billboards for stuff. That's right. Whether a bit, it doesn't matter. You through social media, through businesses, through billboards, through signs and lawns. There are we see an average of 500 advertisements a day with our eyes, and that traffic, it creates so much traffic inside of us that that creates a pull inside of us that says we need something, we need that, we want that, right? You, you see a fitness ad, you need to be skinnier. You see a makeup ad, you need to get rid of your acne. You see a housing ad, you need to buy this house. You drive down the highway and the new whatever Toyota just came out. You need a better car. And everything is fighting for our attention, saying that currently what we have and who we are is not enough. 
And wow. that's, yeah. and that's, and that's the challenge. And I'm not saying it's wrong to go, you know, you get what I mean, but it's, it's a yeah. message that's being shown. I mean, you go on TV now, what is the most popular thing on, on national television right now? I'm, I'm not, this is probably not statistically true, but, but realistically, what's, what's most popular flipping houses and making your houses look ridiculous. That right. is so unattainable for about 98% of American society. I mean, every, no, and I love it. My wife, my wife's an interior designer. So we get, we get sure. inspiration from this, but like, you know, we watch restore by the Fords or we watch, which is like, they're our favorites, by the way. We yeah, love them. Yeah. Love them. Restore by the Fords, you know, but like, so, so, but my point is, is like, God bless them or, 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 you know, Magnolia. We actually mm-hmm. were just there. We just went to oh, Waco. Fine. We went like three weeks ago. Um, but like, dude, it's like these people that are like, just have 150 grand in their bank account to remodel their kitchen. Have That's you seen like, that meme where it's like, um, <laughs> it's something, it's the HGTV meme and it's basically like, I'm a teacher and he breeds salamanders and we have a $200,000 budget. Have you seen that? That's <laughs> no, my favorite it's meme. I love that. Anyway, so sorry. I'm saying all this to say is we live in a society where everything is fighting for our attention. This is why when you drive through the hood of a city, everyone's driving Mercedes and Escalades on 24s, but they have cockroaches in their living room. That's so true. No, I, I, that was my life before I was saved. I was a drug dealer. I was a crazy dude before I got saved. That was my life. I went to crack houses in the hood where they were sitting around a 12-inch TV screen in a house that's unsanitary playing Madden, and they all have cars on rims out in the driveway because they're spending 98% of their monthly annual income on a car to keep up an image. Mm-hmm. You know, or or you got all these young people buying Balenciaga shoes and like it's just ridiculous. No, it's just ridiculous, you know, like waiting in line for thousand dollar easy. I mean, I mean, it's gotten to the point that there's an Instagram account making fun of preachers for their outfits called preachers and sneakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just crazy. Like preachers and pastors wearing thirty thousand dollar outfits mm-hmm. on stage preaching at churches and then taking up offerings, you know. And so so it's it's even creeped into the church world where like it really matters what we wear. And I think I think I think subtly, if we're not careful, we think we're think we're being an influence. That's why we dress that way. Or we think that we're reaching a generation. So therefore I need, you know, the new Supreme hat, you know, or whatever the storyline is. And this is our problem with and it's 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 a disaster. It's a disaster, actually. And it's and, and whether you're a young believer or whoever you are, keeping up with the Joneses will destroy your life. I mean, it will destroy your life. And it, Hey, if you're out there and you make a lot of money and you can hire the Ford family to come and remodel <laughs> your house, dude, do it. That's awesome. But the problem is, is it's a message that's being perpetrated to a society that really can't live that lifestyle or attain it. And, and it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. And it's, and it's only going to get harder and it's only going to get crazier. And that's why us young millennials have to link arms with people that are twice our age. Yes. We've got to be sitting with the 40s and the 50s and the 60-year-olds because when you hit 60, you find out what life really matters. I mean, my, <laughs> grand, I mean, my grandparents are – they're not believers, but they're incredible. They are multimillionaires, and my grandma drives a 1998 Honda Accord. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and like they just – I mean, they their houses – about the same quality as mine. I'm a missionary, you know, and like, and they've just set their hearts that none of this stuff matters. They're not even believers, you know, and like, wow. they don't, they don't care, you know, and, and like my grandpa is one of my go-to guys, um, in the area of finances because it's, it's, it's just a mindset. And so 
point, just, just point being, whether you, you it, it's all the same. It's what are we really after? And I'm telling you, I think, I think one of the greatest things millennials can do is fast from social media regularly. Yeah. Get off it, you know, unfollow all, you really have to pay attention to your heart. You, it, you have to pay attention to what's causing you to feel emotions that are not positive, that are not edifying and are not pushing you in the direction of contentment. What we're really after is contentment. And contentment will keep you making the kind of decisions that we talked about earlier in this podcast that are storing up treasures in heaven, not here. Because Paul in first in Philippians 4 says, I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to not ha- have much, but actually I have no lack because I'm content in all things. So Paul actually looked at his seasons where he didn't have money and he was really struggling financially. He's like, I'm not actually in lack. I just don't have everything I wish I had because I'm actually content with whatever. Peace and yeah. contentment is what we're after. Because because of lack of peace, lack of joy, lack of contentment, guys like Robin Williams hang themselves. Yeah. I mean, the man who's brought a smile on more on more people's face than anyone in the world hung himself. Yep. Who has made anyone laugh in this nation more than Robin Williams? <laughs> Come on, dude. Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire, dude, Mrs. Doubtfire, Peter Pan. I mean, you could go down the list. I mean, that man, the gift on his life to create joy in homes, yet is so tormented on the inside, lack of joy, lack of peace, he hangs himself. I mean, that guy not only had all of the material possessions of the world, he also had a a really interesting secret. He could make people happy. He could could walk into a room and make everybody joyful. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have childhood memories from watching Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, with my family, you know? But yeah, a guy like that who's impacted so many people's lives kills himself. And yeah. others, because at the end of the day, none of this stuff matters. None of this stuff matters, and we have to, to be looking at the next stage, and we've got to be fighting for true contentment and true peace um, while we live here on the earth. At the end of the day, I believe the Lord is raising up a true kingdom businessman, a true kingdom businesswoman that think in terms of generational blessing and think in terms of impacting for the kingdom. What is it? What does a Joseph mean, right? Well, think about this. Joseph gets promoted. Then he, you know, homegirls trying to sleep with him. He don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've watched, the, if you've watched the show, the Joseph, you know, the Disney one, right? <laughs> the, the Joseph King of the Dreams. She's trying to sleep with him. He takes off running, rips something, and now, and now, and now they think he's, you know, whatever. They throw him back in prison, and he gets out of prison because of because he can interpret the dream, yep. right? He can interpret. He can interpret the dream. And well, what was the dream? The dream was that there's a season of famine and a season of plenty, that it's going to be a season of plenty and then a season of famine. So what did Joseph do? They took the season of plenty super serious. What did they do in the season of plenty? Did they go on vacations? Nope. They worked their butts off to store and to store and to store and to store the season of plenty because they knew that the famine was coming. But what was the purpose? They could kind of just keep keep their pool heated nicely and no 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 it wasn't about well there's a season of famine coming and everyone's gonna lose everything but at least i got my pool set to the right temperature and i've got no no that wasn't what it was about it was so that they would have their needs met but then that they would be able to be a blessing to all of israel so now israel is in line coming to them for food because they took serious with because god gave them insight on what to do with their season yeah. of plenty so they actually were able to give it away to the people in need 
you know, yeah. and, 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 and I believe that there is a famine coming to our land. I believe that the economic structure that we know is going to fail. It is going to crash. It can't last forever. And I have scripture for that as well, but, but bigger than just like be frugal now so that you're not struggling. Everybody else is it's about why is the Lord really entrusting you with millions of dollars? Is it really so that you can have a house in the gated community? Is that really like why the Lord raised you up? Like, so that you can be comfortable, so that you can be whatever. And you should be comfortable, and you should have a nice house, and you should drive nice cars because you can, and you're going to drive reliable things, and I think there's value to that. But I'm believing, I believe the Lord's raising up a whole new paradigm of kingdom wealth so that there actually is no lack amongst the workers of the Lord, and that, and it actually it all points back, and this is going to sound selfish to the house of prayer anyways, because it, it was all about funding the, it was all about funding the priests anyways. <laughs> so they did. Yep. It was all about finding the Levitical priests. That's what it was about. But it's it's about that. And it's about it's about taking your wealth and distributing it amongst the world so that the gospel can be preached and so that the laborers can be sent, not for your stuff. And that is what the Lord is wanting to raise up. A content Joseph company of people that are content with whatever that they have on the earth and they're not keeping up with the Joneses. And that's the problem is it is wealth corrupts so many. And and the Bible talks about it all throughout scripture. Jesus says it's easier for someone to walk through the eye of a needle, you know, a camel to walk through the eye of a needle, whatever the scripture is, than for a rich man to inherit. And, and, and that, and that, that rich man was not just like some, you know, I don't know, George Soros, you know, just like corrupt, like, you know, using his money for trafficking, you know, it, it, it wasn't that this was a guy who sincerely wanted to follow Jesus. Like he sincerely, the rich young ruler, like we're talking mm-hmm. about like a really devoted, like young man, but Jesus is like, dude, you're doing awesome. Like you worship me. You do, you come, you lay hands on the sick. You know, you are bold. You're powerful. You are about the kingdom, but would you give, will you give all your money away? And Jesus was asking him of that, and he and he literally turned around and was filled with sorrow in his heart because his possessions were many. It says, "That's intense." <laughs> Jesus, 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 Jesus doesn't want to take your money. He wants to know that your money is his. He wants you. He wants you to know. He wants you to be at a place where do you believe that this is mine? Because if you believe it's mine, then when you sign that contract today, or when you when you close on that house that you flipped, or you know whatever you do for money. Do you actually hold that check in your hand and go, this is yours, Lord? What do I do with it? Is this bread to eat? Is it seed to sow? Like, my money's really not mine, Lord. Like, what do you want me to do with this? You know, because it'll pay big in the next stage. Because a lot of these guys that have yachts and stuff right now, they're going to make it to heaven just barely. Their their work's going to be tested. They'll be saved, but but barely make it. And they're going to have nothing on the other side. Nothing. And the guys that were like poor you know, making three grand a month or whatever, you know, giving their tithes faithfully, you know, sowing those sacrificial seeds, like giving that hundred bucks when it hurt, like doing those kind of things, they're going to make it to the other side and they're going to have the craziest stuff. They're going to be rulers over stuff. They're going to be doing all kinds of stuff because they had a a different perspective. Yeah. And that's a, such a good word. And I mean, I could keep rolling. I could. No, we got to stop. I love this. (laughs) No, it's yeah, no, it's, it's been so good. And I want you to just, um, pray for us before we go, but 
um, before I close it out, I just want to give us, how do we find you? What is your handle? What is it? Josh for Instagram. Yeah. It's just my name backwards. McDonald Mac, Josh. McDonald Josh. Okay. You can find me on Facebook, Josh McDonald as well. Um, there's, I know there's many out there, but you'll find the one that has to do with IHOP and, um, yeah, we didn't have a website anymore to be honest. Okay. N- n- not, not because of any like conviction. I just didn't renew my GoDaddy account. And, <laughs> I feel you. You know, I just was like, whatever. Don't even go to it anyways. They you know, don't. Like, they don't. Um, as long as so... you have Instagram, you're fine. <laughs> cool. All right. Yes. Well, pray, pray yes. for us, and uh, and yeah, and we will. Yeah. We'll send them all to you, so you can disciple us all. Cause Lord help us. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I need you guys to disciple me, so I can make more money, and <laughs> we'll do both. We'll do both. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, so, Lord, I just thank you for Brooke. And this podcast, Lord, that's going to touch lots of lives. Father, I do just pray for this next generation of of millennials. God, I thank you for them. I thank you, Lord, that not all technology is evil. Social media is not evil. These things aren't evil. But the way that they've turned is definitely things that are not of your kingdom, Lord. So I ask you, Lord, that you would raise up a whole generation of Gen Zs, millennials, Lord, that that use these tools for the kingdom, that use these tools for the right thing. And Lord, you said that there's a day coming where the wealth of the wicked is going to be put in the hands of the righteous. And God, I just thank you for a new perspective on how we do finances. I thank you for a new perspective on how we make our daily choices, that we are living for another age. God, that our hundred years here on the earth is just a flash in a pan. And we're going to actually rule with you for thousands and thousands and thousands of years ahead, God. And I just ask that you give us that perspective. And God, for those listening that have never heard a teaching like this before, mm-hmm. God, I ask that they would go deep in the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true. Yeah. That they'd find these scriptures about eternal rewards, not earthly rewards. So, Lord, I just bless those listening. I ask for the spirit of just hunger. And Lord, for those that are listening that are like, these guys are crazy. I don't understand religion, but, but, but I, but I, but I do appreciate his perspective on, you know, what really matters with our finances. Lord, I just ask that you'd bless them or that you'd bless them, that you'd bless them, Lord. And that through these things that you would just reveal yourself to them. Just thank you for this podcast. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to share this episode and come follow me at Brooke A. Payne. That's Brooke with an E. A-P-A-Y-N-E on Instagram and Facebook and all of our resources are in my bio. Thank you guys so much. It means so much to me that you're listening.